0: In the year 36 AD, St. Stephen was martyred by stoning. In 1586, St. Margaret Clitheroe was martyred by literally being pressed to death. In the year 285 AD, St. Lawrence was grilled to death. And yes, I do mean grilled. And reportedly, he bore it quite stoically and even said, quote, better flip me over. I'm done on this side, end quote. quote. What do these stories have in common other than their grisly nature? They are the stories of real life martyrs. Martyrs in the traditional sense of the word. We could even say Catholic sense with a capital C. These are men and women who sacrificed their lives because of something they believed in. And whether you agree with their beliefs or not, these were people so committed to an ideal, they were put to death for it. And as fascinating as these stories are, I mean... How has the true crime genre left these people alone for so long? I mean, seriously, I actually want to focus on a more modern pop psychology definition of the word martyr. The modern pop psychology definition of the word martyr has nothing to do with integrity or being willing to suffer for what you believe in. The modern definition of the word martyr means self sacrifice as a form of manipulation, of punishment. Of covert aggression. It means putting other people first, not from a place of loving kindness, but from a place of, well, that's actually what we're here to unpack. What is the origin and purpose of playing the martyr? Why do we go full martyr on the people we love most? And when we're on the receiving end of martyr behavior, what can we do in the face of it? And with that, I welcome you to season four of 20 Minutes with Bronwyn. I feel like Ricardo Montalban. welcome to Fantasy Island. Parenthetically, I feel the need to offer just a bit of context before we dive into martyrdom here today. As you might have noticed, I took a break from podcasting in August to just regroup. I wanted to close out season three, or what I was lovingly calling the COVID sessions, To me, season three was all about surviving this new level of crazy, thanks to the pandemic. But I wanted a different organizing principle for my episodes in season four. And that organizing principle is this. I will be answering your questions. The format will be the same. The first episode of the month will be me talking about a communication issue or skill. And the second episode of the month will be an interview with someone awesome. But for this season, the episodes where it's just me talking, they are user suggested. You will tell me what it is you need or have questions about rather than me telling you what I think you need. And if you're like, yeah, but how does that work? How do I find you? There are so many ways to find me. You can get on my mailing list and just hit reply when you get an email from me. That's Communications.com forward slash subscribe. You can find me on Instagram at Bronwyn SF. Send me a message. You can find me on LinkedIn, Bronwyn Sully and Benny, S-A-G-L-I-M-B-E-N-I. There are many ways to follow me and I will be listening. I always, always reply when somebody reaches out to me. So drop me a note. What do you want to know about? And to kick this season off, I wanted to focus on a crowd request, which is How do we deal with the toxic pattern of martyrdom? Why? Because as communication patterns go, few are as toxic and damaging to our relationships as our tendency toward martyrdom. And as communications patterns go, few are as effective in a twisted sense as playing the role of martyr. As they say, we repeat behaviors because on some level they work, which is why it is so difficult to stop. So why is martyrdom so powerful? Listen, it's powerful because it generates a kind of energy. Think of it like a little mini negativity tornado, but let's give an example. Let's be real about this. Let's say it is not my day to take out the trash. Let's say it's my roommates or my kids or my spouses or whomever. Let's also say that instead of asking the person whose assignment it is to take out the damn trash, I take it out. And whilst I'm taking it out, I stomp my feet. I do a dramatic sigh. I say sarcastically, huh, guess I'm taking the trash out again, even though it's not my day. What I've done right there is create a mini vortex of energy, hoping that someone will hear me and see me and feel me and be spurned into a reaction. Ideally, I want them to feel bad. Honestly, I don't even think I want them to Intervene and take out the trash because then the energy vortex collapses, right? I mean, think about it. Think about how invigorating it can be to stomp and sigh and feel righteous as the one who is once again taking out the trash. Haven't you ever wondered why someone who's acting like a martyr refuses the help they claim to want or what they're insinuating they want? Well, that's because the energy vortex that they're spinning collapses when they get their needs met, and that's no fun. Because here's the thing drama in the form of martyrdom requires very little in the way of critical thinking and honest self evaluation. It's like a fossil fuel, it burns bright and it stinks the place up. The fact is, martyrdom is not only easier, it's more invigorating than asking for what we need. And saying those words out loud is very illuminating, right? Drama in the form of martyrdom makes for better television. Being willing to ask for what we need makes for better relationships. So this whole exploration today begins with the assumption that, like me, you are more interested in better relationships than television-worthy drama. Okay? That's the assumption here today. So I want to offer you some strategies for dealing with martyrdom. One, what to do when you, my friend, are the martyr. And don't clutch your pearls. We are all the martyr from time to time, okay? Two, what to do when you're on the receiving end of someone's martyr drama. So let's open door number one. What to do when you find yourself playing the role of martyr. At the core of martyr behavior are two sets of problematic beliefs. Set number one are false beliefs about needs and how to get them met. Problematic belief number two, is a belief about power and how to wield it. So let's start with the first problematic belief. When we engage in martyr vibes, we are revealing something, whether we mean to or not. We are revealing that we do not believe it is possible or acceptable to articulate what it is we need in that moment. So let's go back to the trash example from before. When I'm stomping around huffing and puffing about the fact that I am taking out the trash when it's not my trash day, I am revealing that I do not believe I am allowed to assert my need to have a day off from the trash directly. I am revealing that I believe I am not allowed to hold someone else accountable for shirking their trash duty. I am revealing that I believe deep down that my needs don't count. And think about that. If you believe that you're not allowed to assert your needs or make your needs known, if you believe you are not able to hold someone else accountable for their failure to execute on something they said they do, imagine how it feels. I mean, just saying those words out loud pisses me off. I feel angry. How dare someone not meet my needs? How dare someone shirk their duty? So it is no wonder That when I'm having a martyr attack, I'm stomping around that kitchen and huffing and puffing and blowing that house down. I'm seething. I am beside myself. And I am also in the center of a delicious whirlwind of self-righteousness and self-pity. I am a holy victim. I am a holy martyr in my quest for fairness and egalitarian trash taking out. Someone someday is going to make a laminated car with my face on it where my Catholic's at. My friend, Jen Reedy always used to joke, honey, get down from the cross. We need the nails. And I love that line because it's just, it's so perfect. And it used to sort of jar me out of my martyr behavior. And it would also help us jar other people out of their martyr behavior. But the question is, how, how do we get down from the cross once we've put ourselves up on it? As your communication coach, I have to tell you the only remedy for this behavior is to get at the beliefs that are driving the behavior. So I want to make this absolutely crystal clear. You are allowed to have needs. You are allowed to articulate and describe those needs. You are allowed to hold people accountable when they violate the agreements they make with you about those needs. If you find yourself playing the role of martyr, you have misbelieved before you've ever misbehaved. So my invitation to you, my fellow martyr, is this, when you find yourself feeling resentful and angry and withholding and passive aggressive and doing everything in anger, because no one is offering to help you, I want you to stop and do three things. Stop, drop, and roll. Just kidding. That's not the three things. But if you ever catch fire, those are the three things. Okay. The three things I want you to do when you find yourself going full martyr, number one, take radical responsibility. Resist the temptation to see yourself as the victim here. You have agency. Take full responsibility of your own ability to choose in this moment. Part of taking radical responsibility means doing a little forensics. What happened that got me into this situation? Did I fail to ask for help? Did I agree to something I didn't want to do? What happened? What part did I play in this role? Take radical responsibility. Step two, Take radical care of you in that moment. Be your own kindest advocate. Mentally ask yourself what you need and give it to yourself. Put your hand over your heart and just send yourself some kindness in that moment. Soften because part of taking radical responsibility is looking real hard at some mistakes you might have made. But step two is to forgive yourself and be kind to yourself. Step three, Be radically clear and direct and kind about asking for what it is you need. That trash is sitting there. You can feel your temperature rise. Instead of huffing and puffing, you're going to walk over and to the person whose trash day it is, you're going to say, Hey, I know you don't mean for this to be a thing, but do you mind taking out the trash? It's your day. It's that simple. These three steps will change things. They will change the way you feel in the moment. They will change the energy that you're bringing to the moment. They will change the way you engage with people in the moment. They're very, very powerful steps, but here's the thing. You may need to add a fourth step and have what I call a what happened conversation. Using my trash example, let's say I'm able to pause and notice my martyr instincts. Let's say I take radical responsibility. I take radical care of myself. I radically make my needs known with kindness and clarity and directness. And sometimes that trash still doesn't get taken out. So from this grounded place, after having gone through the three steps I just outlined, now we have a what happened conversation. Hey, roommate, husband, child. Sometimes they're all the same person. (laughs) Oh, cracking myself up over here. Hey, roommate, husband, child. I noticed that the trash didn't get taken out. What happened? And then stop talking. The phrase what happened is powerful because what it does is it doesn't feel like an attack necessarily. It's an open-ended curious question. I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to give me the benefit of the doubt. So tell me what happened that precluded you from doing this because I'm sure you had the best of intentions right? You may find that when you have a what happened conversation, you may find that actually the system of the trash taking out that they agreed to doesn't work for them because maybe they're already doing the dishes five days a week and they're already doing other things and the trash really is too much and it's not a fair balance. When you have a what happened conversation from a place of curiosity and not from a place of shame or guilt or sighing, you open the aperture. Now you can problem solve at a better level because maybe the other person's like, listen, the system isn't working for me. We need a better system. And now you can renegotiate that system and make it better, right? Maybe they're better at feeding the dog. Personally, I don't take out the trash, period. It's been reassigned. I do all the dishes. I am not about to take out the trash. This is an example that has played out in our house. But by having a what happened conversation, you create a sense of relative safety. You create like a safety bubble where the person can just tell you what's really going on. And if it's a really pissy, grouchy teenager, who's just being a jerk face, McGillicuddy, and they're like, yeah, I'm not taking out the trash. That's when you need to have a conversation around consequences, but that's a conversation for a different podcast. We're not talking about teenagers necessarily right here. We're talking about other grown people that we're trying to negotiate with. So we've looked at martyrdom though, through the tactical sense of what those three, maybe four steps need to be when you're in a martyr attack moment. Like you're like, holy shit, how did I find myself in this moment? But I want to look at martyrdom through a strategic lens as well. And that is really, you know, once you get through the moment, you've done your steps, I really want you to ask yourself when you have a moment to think why is it that you feel your needs can't be expressed where did that notion come from maybe you grew up in a household where one parent leaned heavily on martyrdom because they had no support from their partner maybe you unconsciously observed how powerful the energy of martyrdom could be in the absence you know in the absence of a better strategy you're like I'm just going to repeat this pattern because it works and listen I'm not trying to blame our parents for anything. They did the best they could every single day. And listen, my kids will be in therapy because of the stuff that I do, but we would be insane to ignore the origin of these behaviors. It's like that saying goes, those who fail to understand history are doomed to repeat it. And this leads me to really the second flawed belief of the martyr. The second flawed belief of the martyr is a belief about power. Amen. I say to you, my people, Every single day of our lives, we are in a conversation with our power, our own agency. When we believe in our own power, we believe in our ability to wield it directly in the light of day. We wield power directly by making direct requests, by getting people on board with an idea through the sheer force of our vision, our belief, our charisma, by stating what we are after and why. We wield our power directly by being vulnerable and honest with people about what we need and why we need it. Skillful use of vulnerability is one of the most powerful things we can do. And it is a direct use of power. Now, contrast that with wielding power indirectly by manipulating people into giving us what we want, by shaming people, by gaslighting people, by bullying people, and by martyring people. Martyring ourselves, really, and using the force of guilt to get what we want. There is no true vulnerability with guilt and martyrdom. There's only shaming and manipulation. Martyrdom is a power that is wielded in the shadows. It's wielded back channel. Direct power using vulnerability sounds like this. Hey, I know it wasn't your intention, but I feel really sad and frustrated that the trash is overflowing. It's your day to take out the trash. Would you please take it out? Now, if you're listening to that and you're like, why would she describe that statement as vulnerable? I think that's a very vulnerable statement because I am telling you how I feel. I feel sad and frustrated about the trash. And admitting that is hard because someone could be cruel in their response and say, good, I hope you feel sad and frustrated. Or they could be dismissive of my feelings. You're gonna let trash make you feel sad and frustrated? Sucks to be you. And that's painful to receive that message. Telling someone how we feel, how a statement or a behavior makes us feel can be excruciating. In fact, I literally just had to have that kind of a conversation last night. Someone said something to me that made me feel humiliated and embarrassed. My initial instinct after it was said was to completely withdraw and withhold and use my silence as a form of manipulation, as a form of getting them to apologize to me. And then I, of course, realized I'm a communication coach. I'm not allowed to do shit like that. So then I was like, oh God, the next morning I said, you know what? I know it wasn't your intention, but I felt humiliated when you said that. I felt ashamed when you said that. And as soon as I said that from a place of vulnerability, the other person apologized right away and said how terrible they felt that they made me feel that way. And that it wasn't their intention. And there was healing that happened as a result of it. Listen, it's... Excruciating to do that because, in that story I just told you, the person responded with loving kindness because they connected with my pain and they wanted to make me feel better and they wanted to meet me there with an apology. But not everyone does that. There are some people who can be real dicks when you tell them what you're really feeling. And here's the thing it's painful to realize you're dealing with someone who is dismissive or cruel. And by the way, if you're dealing with someone who's dismissive or cruel, My go-to line with people like that is, I don't let people talk to me that way. I'm going to take a few minutes to calm down, but we need to resolve this. I'll see you in a few minutes. Buy yourself a little time, come up with a plan to hold them to their word or to re-engage with the conversation. That's accountability. That's integrity. That's about having a healthy boundary that isn't just embroidered on your freaking pillow. It's a boundary that is maintained. But that's power. The power of owning what you're feeling, and what you're needing is excruciating to hold and wield in the light of day. It's excruciating to be direct with your power instead of indirect, but that's what integrity looks like. So I want you to practice a new belief about power. If that's something you struggle with, I want you starting today to have a new conversation with your own power. I want you to practice this new belief. Okay. I am powerful because I know how to wield my power directly, out in the open. I don't rely on manipulation to get what I want. I rely on my curiosity and my belief that there's a way to meet everyone's needs, including my own. I'm gonna say that again in case you need to write it down and put it on a sticky note on your forehead. I am powerful because I know how to wield power directly, out in the open. I do not rely on manipulation to get what I want. I rely on my curiosity and my belief that there is a way to get everyone's needs met, including my own. Now, as you hear me say these words, you may be wondering, yeah, but like, what if I make my needs known? And it's not possible to get those needs met. To which I say, better to have that conversation openly and honestly and directly, Look, you know, sometimes people can't meet your needs and you got to know that so that you can figure out something else to do, right? If you're in a job that has no intention of ever meeting your needs, it's important for you to know that so that you can make some choices. If you're in a relationship with someone who has no intention of meeting your needs, that's important for you to know so you can make some choices about that relationship. If you're in an intolerable situation, it is important for you to know that so you can make some choices. I mean, you see where I'm going with this, right? That's the thing about power. Once you realize just how much of it you have, it's harder to pretend that you are at the mercy of everyone and everything else. But okay, listen, we have spent a long time talking through techniques and strategies for the martyr. But what about techniques and strategies for the person on the receiving end of martyrdom? What if you're on the receiving end of manipulation through shame and guilt? I wanted to start with the martyrs first because I think it's helpful to understand their perspective. It's easier to have compassion and connect with someone who's martyring out if you know where it comes from. It comes from a place of powerlessness, a place of believing that it's impossible to get needs met. And I'm hoping that knowing that moves you to compassion instead of rage or annoyance with them. So here are the three moves that I rely on heavily for the martyrs in my life. Number one, when someone is spinning a negative vortex of martyrdom, I call a timeout. You know me, I love a timeout. I even do the timeout gesture. Or you could just say, hey, hey, timeout. I can tell you're frustrated right now and perhaps rightly so. I want to understand what's going on and what you need so that we can find a way to meet both our needs. So I always do a timeout. I can see you're frustrated. It's probably legit, but I want to try and understand it. I mean, that's the bones of it. Step two Ask for clarity. Sometimes our martyr is so trapped in the dynamic, they simply want us to guess what's wrong with them. (laughs) If you ask them, I want to help, please tell me what it is you need. And they just huff and walk away. Follow them and gently and with love in your voice say, please tell me what you need. Don't make me guess. Don't make me guess is a great line for a martyr that is spinning out. So step one, call a timeout. Call a timeout. Indicate that you want to know what's going on and get to the bottom of it. Number two, ask for clarity with kindness. Don't make me guess is one of my favorite phrases to use in that context. It reminds me of that star at Live Skin. Don't make me sing. Don't make me guess. Step three, have a how might we conversation. So once you know what's causing them to martyr out, once you have halted the dynamic with the timeout, you've asked for clarity. Now you want to have a how might we conversation. How might we conversations are basically exactly what they sound like. How might we get your need for X met while also meeting my need for Y? Maybe you are the one in the situation who has failed to take out the trash. Maybe that's because you did the dishes all damn week and you are over it. Maybe the agreement you made on the trash schedule isn't really fair because you already do all the dishes. This requires renegotiating a system that you've agreed to. Work at it using the, how might we conversation? How might we make sure the trash gets taken out while also acknowledging that I'm doing the dishes every week or how might we make sure all of these things happen and it's more egalitarian, right? Have patience, work on the system, whatever it is, the workflow, whatever is triggering this conversation, work on it until you're both satisfied. Yes, this takes extra time, it does but it is infinitely easier than a hair shirt stomping around the house acting like a jerk face without telling you what's wrong. A needs-based conversation. A how might we conversation sounds like this. How might we make sure that X happens while also Y happening, right? It's super, super simple, but it takes time. Call a timeout, ask for clarity, have a how might we conversation. These three steps are transformative and you will find, you will get to know the person that is martyring out on you in ways you didn't even imagine you could. It's a very revealing process. But listen here, if your martyr is just too far gone and they don't want to play ball, you got to release them to their path. Just know that it has more to do with them than you. They're having a moment, they're working something through and this is on them it's not necessarily about you. And they will return to you at some point. But listen, you only get to release them to their path of suffering if and only if you have done those three steps I just gave you. You've made the attempt, let's say. You have tried to problem solve and connect with them. You don't just get to release them without making the attempt. That's like giving up. Because now you're kind of acting like the martyr. How about them apples? <laughs> Full circle. But listen, here's what I know to be truer than true. True. Humans are a giant pain in the ass. We just are. We are prickly and we are manipulative. And you know what else is truer than true? If we show each other kindness and power in the form of clear and direct and kind requests to have our needs met, and we allow the other person to be vulnerable enough to state their needs, we get to experience the best of human beings. We get to experience mercy tenderness, support, love, connection, safety. And you, my friend, are deserving of all of that and more. As always, thank you for being here with me. It's good to be back. And if you know of somebody that could use this, send it on over. There's a whole lot of martyrs running around out there. And as always, shine on. Hey, if you're still with me and you haven't already, Hit subscribe so you can get my latest episodes delivered hot off the press. And feel free to share this with someone who could use a little inspiration. If you're looking to go further on this journey as a communicator, head over to bronwyncommunications.com forward slash subscribe. And on Monday mornings, you will receive a communication tip to work with for the week. And on Saturday mornings, you'll receive a short little email with three things I am listening to or reading or digging right now. Also find me on my new YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash this is Bronwyn, B-R-O-N-W-Y-N, where I drop new content every Thursday covering strategies for getting more confident during moments of conflict. And speaking of conflict, if you're dealing with a tough client or work situation, and you need better skills for managing difficult conversations, check out my new online course called the No Enemy Client Conversation. And that is noenemy.bronwyncommunications.com. That's noenemy.bronwyncommunications.com. As always, you can find me on Instagram at bronwynsf, where I offer a lot of behind the scenes insights into how I make all this content and run my business for those coaches and solopreneurs who need a little inspo lastly if your company organization needs a high voltage keynote speaker who knows how to melt phases and blow minds virtually or in real life i'm your gal shoot me a note let's make some magic happen that's bronwyn at bronwyncommunications.com take care and shine on